You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Hey, Resonate Church, it's great to be with you again this week. Last week, uh, I was able to be with you as we kicked off the new year, and I, I talked about choosing faith over fear. Well, today, uh, as we think about what it means to choose faith over fear, I just want to talk about faith. I want to talk about what it means to have faith, what it means to walk in faith. What does it look like to walk in faith in a relationship with Jesus? Uh, Some people say, they'll just use the phrase, man, you just got to have faith. You know, just have faith. And sometimes that phrase is used in response to somebody asking a a hard question, almost as if faith is, you know, having faith is a substitute for difficult questions or answers. Is that what faith is? Um, Sometimes we think that if I really had faith, I would always have certainty in my life. Uh, I would never doubt. I, I would never have confusion, you know, about the future direction of my life. Is that what faith is? Uh, other, other people would say that, that uh, if I have faith, then amazing miracles are going to happen all around me all the time. Is, is that faith? I, I read a story a while back about uh, uh, two nuns that were coming from a, a ministry time, and they were on their way home, but they, they ran out of gas. And they're on the side of the road, and one of them, well, one of them said, you know, I saw a gas station about a mile back, so we could go get some gas. And so they started looking through their car for a container. They didn't have a gas can, and the only container they could find was a bedpan, because I guess their ministry had been kind of medical ministry. And so they carried the bedpan back to the gas station, filled, filled it up with gasoline, and then carry, carry it all the way back to their car. And then they take the bedpan and they pour the gasoline into the gas tank. Well, about the time they're doing that, uh, a a semi-truck drives by. And this truck driver sees a car stranded on the side of the road with two nuns with a bedpan pouring the contents of the bedpan into a gas tank. And the truck driver says, now that's faith. (laughs) Is that faith? Is that what faith is? Uh, You know... I feel like I need to say something about this. Uh, This week, we saw uh, a lot of protesters in our nation's capital, some in the name of Jesus, storming the Capitol building. Is is that faith? Is that what faith is? Uh, I I can tell you we would say that's that's not, you know, connecting those things. Uh, Nationalism with our Christianity is not faith. But what is it? What is it faith? What is faith? I want to talk to you about that today. And I want to I challenge us. Uh, but I want to start before we get to our main passage. Last week we were in the book of Joshua chapter 1, and we're, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3 in a little bit. But I want to look at a couple of verses about faith before we get there that come from Hebrews in the New Testament chapter 11. You're probably familiar with these. Hebrews 11 verse 1 describes faith. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. You might, you might notice the word sure and the word certain. It's just saying that faith is not wishful thinking. It, it means even though we don't see God with our eyes, we're growing in the certainty of who He is and what He does. A few verses later, in verse 6, the writer of Hebrews says, And without faith, 
it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Faith, then, it it involves believing God actually exists and it involves earnestly seeking Him. To me, that sounds like relationship. Faith is more than just believing the teachings of Jesus, as important as that is. When it comes down to it, faith is about relationship with someone and that relationship with Jesus. See, our faith has an object, and for us as followers of Christ, Jesus, Christ, is the object of our faith. So I want to just give you a simple definition. This is just my definition of faith. I'm sure there's better ones out there. But, but my definition is this, that faith is my growing confidence in God. It's a growing confidence in Him. Confidence in who He is, in His character, in His presence, and in His ability. It's just a growing confidence. You know, it's, uh, the writer of Hebrews said that we're, we're sure, we're certain of who He is. So it, we're growing in that. It's, it's not, hopefully it's not static, but as we continue to walk with Him and we learn about Him and we see Him, uh, work, we continue to grow in our confidence in Him. And so that would be my definition of faith. But, but here's the thing. Uh, we would rather not, wouldn't we? We would, when we get real honest, we'd really rather not live by faith because it's hard. It, it, it's hard to, to walk by faith. I mean, honestly, we'd rather be comfortable. We'd rather do what we know. We'd rather stay with with what's familiar. And we can do that. God doesn't force us to trust Him. Uh, But, oh man, what we miss when we choose not to live by faith, when we choose not to trust Him. The adventure we, we miss, seeing Him provide, learning who He is, walking in closer intimacy with Him. And that's where the Israelites were when we pick up in our, in our passage today. The Israelites, as we saw last week, 40 years before this, had had the opportunity to trust God, and they decided not to. They chose fear over faith, and so they didn't enter into the, the promised land, the land that had been promised them. And so a whole generation has passed away now, and their children, another generation now has the opportunity to trust God to get into the promised land. So today we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3, and and they have moved up. They are camping on the east side of the Jordan River. There's some estimate at least a million people, maybe more, camped along this river. And they see that they are to go over to the promised land, but there is something in between them. It is that river, the, the Jordan River, and it's at flood stage. It's during harvest time. Some estimated that it, it may have been a mile across and up to 150 feet deep. So what are they going to do? How are they going to get there? What we, do, what we find is that they are at a crossroads. They've come up to the edge, and now they have a decision to make. How are they going to get from here to where God wants them to be? What will they do? Will they trust Him? How will they respond? Well, we're going to learn a lot, I think, in this passage, which is one of my favorite passages, actually, about God, about how He works, and about what faith looks like. So I just want to give us some, some truth statements, if I could, as, as we walk through this, this passage. And I, I want to give the first statement right now, and, and that is this, that what we learn 
when we learn to walk by faith is that God often brings opportunities for faith. It's kind of what I was talking about last week when I said that that God often brings us to a place where we have to trust Him. And again, we don't really like those places. Now, we love them later when we can go back and we see how God's provided and we can tell the story, but when we're in them, we don't often like them because we don't know the answers. We don't know how things are going are to work out and are going to develop. I mean, on our own, in our own natural way, we, we usually tend to arrange life so that the odds are always in our favor. But God in His goodness often leads us to places where the odds are against us so that we will learn to trust the one who is greater than the odds. It's part of this faith journey. And that's where the Israelites are as they're camped on the east side of the Jordan. How do you follow God forward when you can't see the way through? Well, let's see what happens. In verse, starting in verse 2 of, of Joshua chapter 3, it says, After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. I love that verse. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Let me give you another statement about faith. I would say to us that we learn here that living by faith means watching where God is moving. Living by faith means we learn to watch where God is moving. Notice what Joshua told them. He says, if you want to know which way to go, you need to watch which direction the priests go as they carry the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was a box. It was four feet long, was two feet wide and two feet deep. Inside were the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments, and there was some manna and some other things in there. But most importantly, this box, the Ark of the Covenant, represented the presence of God. So what Joshua was saying is, as these priests who would carry it on a pole, as they lifted up and began to move, you watch what direction they're going. That's how you know where to go. Watch where God is moving is basically what he was saying. Henry Blackaby said that, he said this, discover where God is working and join him in his work. You see, we don't have to talk God into working. He's always working around us, but what we must learn to do is to recognize his work so that we know how to join him in it. And that's what he's saying. Watch where God is moving. Don't just run half cocked into the river or don't just have a meeting to figure out how to get around the river. Watch him and watch where he's moving. Now, how do we do that? God, how do we do that today? Because God's not in a box. He's, he's God. He's, he's everywhere. And as followers of Christ, he lives within us through his Holy Spirit. So how do we learn to recognize where he's moving? Well, probably by doing what a lot of you are probably doing in, in your life, you you watch and you pay attention to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you know when the Holy Spirit's leading you? Well, sometimes it has to do with a, a, a thought or a burden that you just can't shake or a, a desire that, that maybe was different than you've had before. You pay attention to circumstances that might seem to be moving in a certain direction. 
And, and But you don't just look at circumstances. You also, along with that, you want to look at God's Word. And, and I mean, certainly you want to look at what the Bible says about certain topics, but I'm also talking about just day by day reading His Word and seeing in our regular reading, how is God speaking to me? And how does what He is showing me in His Word through my regular reading lining up with what I seem to be feeling or seeing happen? And then in addition to that, another way of, of you know, finding out how He's moving is, is having some wise counsel, having some, some people that love you and that won't just say what you want them to say, but will speak the truth to you about what seems to be happening around you. And, and what will happen is that, that over time, uh, God will often allow those different areas to begin to line up as you begin to see how He's moving and, and what He's doing. And sometimes it takes a lot longer than you want. Sometimes it comes quickly. You know, uh, it was over two years ago now that Beverly and I were really wrestling uh, about whether we should leave Pathway Church, where I had been the pastor there for over 20 years, and come and be a part of Resonate to serve as pastor to the pastors. And God had begun to stir in me. You know, I'd been there a long time, began to love pastors. I began to uh, certainly love what God was doing through, through Resonate and our longtime relationship there. But I was at a great church. And so I, I went to about seven different mentors. And I just, I didn't try to convince them. I just laid out what I was wrestling with. And I, honestly, I thought every one of them were, were going to say something like, have you lost your mind? You, you want to leave a church where they love you and you have a regular salary and go raise your own support? But interestingly, none of them did that. Now, they didn't maybe like that I was going to be moving or leaving, but every one of them ended up saying, you know, it, it seems like God seems to be at work here. And I had scripture that, that God brought just at the right time that was ap the affirming to that. So it was, a, for us, a two or three year process of wrestling at least that long before we made this is a major life decision. But that's just one, one part of that. It just sometimes takes longer than we want. And then sometimes, sometimes it happens quickly. But listen, when you come to a crossroads in your faith, that's not necessarily a, a, a sign that you're not doing things right. Many times, I mean, we can make poor decisions and lead us to crossroads, but many times it's because of your obedience to Christ that God leads you to another crossroads and give you the opportunity to say, well, what does it mean to trust you here? What does it mean to walk in faith in response to this situation? He often brings opportunities for faith to trust Him, which leads to the second truth statement that I want to give as we see in this passage, and that is this, that faith and obedience go together. Faith and obedience go together. We, we don't separate our faith and our obedience. They go together. Let's look at how this plays out, starting in verse 6. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up, they picked it up, picked up the poles, and they're carrying it, and they went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel, so that, you may, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. And in verse 8, Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. So 
He tells the priest to pick up the ark and move ahead of the people and go stand in the river. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us at all what the priests were thinking or saying, but I can only imagine some of them saying, what did Joshua just say? We're supposed to pick up the heaviest thing we can find and go stand in a rushing river? Then what? What are we supposed to do after that? Well, I don't know. But that's exactly what he told them to do. It's just kind of strange, right? Go stand in the river. This leads to another statement I want to give about living by faith. And is this, that living by faith means obeying God at step one, even if he hasn't shown step two. Obey him at step one, even if you don't know what step two is. That's often how he works. He told the priest, he told the people to watch the priests, and they, they're just standing in the water. <laughs> That's just step one. But don't, you, don't you find that often we want to say, well, God, if you'll show me how it all works out and how it all comes together, then I will take the first step and follow you. But that's not really walking by faith. In, in a sense, that's us still trying to control. God so often or so rarely shows us the whole picture. Mostly it's take one step and trust Him one step at a time. That's certainly true when you're making major decisions. You, you are, you're obedient to Him. You're trusting Him and acting, being obedient each step of the process. But, you know, not all of life is making major decisions. We also have a lot of ordinary days. So what does it mean for our, our obedience and our faith to be together on ordinary days? And uh, there's a whole lot of things that that means. But I was just thinking of three very familiar ways that, we, that our faith takes action, that our, that our faith is seen in our obedience. One is just through prayer. Praying is, is being obedient. The Lord tells us to pray, to talk to Him about our lives, about others. But as we're talking to Him, it also involves faith because we're trusting that He's going to answer the prayers that we bring to Him. This is that faith and obedience together. You also see it in, in our tithing. The Bible says to, to bring the first fruits of our finances to Him. And that's absolutely a, a, step, a statement of, and a step of faith as well as obedience. I mean, we, we give Him the, the first of our income. So we're doing what He says to do, but we're also trusting that He's going to provide for us in all of our needs. And we're also trusting Him to use what we give. And so, you know, uh, tithing is way more about faith than it is about how all the numbers and the math works out anyway. So that's another way. And then the third way I was thinking about was just when we share the gospel, coming, getting over our fear caring more about the other person than our fear and trusting the words and the truth of the gospel to impact their lives, Lord willing, for eternity, whether that might happen now or somewhere down the road. We're, we're trusting God with that. It's where our, our, our faith and our obedience come together. You see, faith is always connected to obedience. Our faith is not just found in our feelings, but in what we do. Uh, you see, we don't see God's faithfulness so often until we take that first step of faith. And that's what's happening in this story. They stepped into the water, which leads to the third truth about God. And this is my favorite part. The third is this, is that we learn that God works upstream. God works upstream. Look what happens when they, when they stepped into the water, when they obeyed. And starting in verse 13, it says, And as soon as the priests 
who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Then verse 15, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground on the riverbed, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely completed the crossing on dry ground. They made it across. But, but I don't want you to miss. Look what happens when they obeyed. So what did, what did the Lord tell Joshua to tell them to do? Step into the water. So they, they go in and they step into the water. And what happens? Nothing. At least it seemed that nothing was happening. Because as soon as they stepped into the water... Nothing changed. That ever happened to you? You do the best you know to obey what God's telling you to do, and as soon as you obey, I don't see anything happening. Thankfully, just because we don't see something happening, just because we don't see God working, doesn't mean He's not working. Notice that it said that the moment their feet touched the water, up by the city of Adam, which was about 19 or 20 miles upstream, I don't know how the Lord did it, but the, the water was cut off. I don't know if there was a landslide. I don't, know, I don't know how He did it. But 19, 20 miles upstream, the water stopped. Well, if it's that far upstream, they're not going to see any evidence of that for a while. So they just had to keep standing in the water until eventually the water would begin to go down. And then a little bit go down and go down and go down until it began to, to run out in that hot desert sun. The, the, it dried out probably pretty quickly. And, and so God, even though they didn't see it in that moment, God was working upstream. That's what He does. I love that. And I was thinking about in the meantime, though. I was thinking about before they saw anything happen, because... You know, these are the children of the people who went through the Red Sea. So for these folks, their whole lives, they've just heard their parents tell them over and over and over about how God parted the Red Sea and they went through it. Then he closed it back up. So I wonder if that's what they're expecting to happen here. So they see Moses tells the, the priest to go stand in the, in the water and nothing happens. I can just imagine people in the back of the crowd yelling, you did it wrong. <laughs> you know, in their mind, well, what God does is He parts the water here. No, just because He worked one way there doesn't mean He does it exactly the same way here. Just because He didn't do it the way we expected doesn't mean He's not working. And He was working upstream. That's what He does. And that, that leads to the final statement I'll give you about faith. And that is, faith in God means obeying Him even when I don't see anything happening. I do the best I know to do what He tells me to do, and then I trust Him with the results. I obey God and I trust Him. Because I can tell you, He's working whether you see it or not. 
You trust He's working upstream in His way and in His time. Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you, if you're in a place right now where you have taken a step and you've not seen any change, you keep standing in that water. You keep trusting. Because He's working. You know, uh, when Beverly and I were first married, I told you last week we were, I, I eventually was the pastor of Central, what was called Central Baptist Church in Monmouth. Before I became the pastor, though, I was the worship leader and worked with college students. And we were, we were just three or four years old as a church, and the Lord had provided a way for us to buy some property just south of town on Highway 99. And we were getting ready to pour the foundation. We had a we're going to pour in a week or two. We had a mission team from Texas going to come help us. We had already excavated, getting everything ready. And we were out working one day, and a, and a man from the, from the state of Oregon came, and he said, could you show me your access right to drive off and on our highway? Well, we'd never heard of such a thing. Well, you're what? You know, what's an access right? And he said, well, about 30 years ago, the state of Oregon went up and down Highway 99, and they purchase the access rights at every piece of property. And so if you build on that, you have to, first of all, go through about a six-month process and then pay us to drive off and on our highway to pay for the wear and tear of doing that. So the church down the road was, was building, and they had to pay about $40,000 for their access right. Well, we only had a total of about $100,000 to build with at that time. So $40,000 would have just sunk us at that at that time, plus, you know, not to mention waiting six months. So this was a blow, and we, we didn't know what to do. So all we needed to do was to pray. So we gathered out on the property, and we just, we just began to pray. And we said, God, we really believe you've led us here. We're asking you to provide. We, we don't know what you're up to. We sure didn't see this coming. And, and we asked him, you know, to make a way, and, and then... We just kept praying on our own, and about a week went by, and that same man came back, and he was talking to our, our, our pastor, Dwight, and he, he said, we have been checking our records, and he said, as a matter of fact, I triple-checked them to make sure this was right. But he said, it seems that 30 years ago, when the state of Oregon was buying all the access rights up and down Highway 99, it seems that they purchased all of them except for one. Guess which one? And we were able to continue building and to use that access right. And why? Because God had been working upstream. 30 years before, He had been working to preserve a place for His church. When we didn't even have a clue to ask Him to be working, He was already working because that's what He does. He works. Our role is to trust Him, to obey Him. Even if you don't know what comes next, you keep doing what you know to do until He shows you what to do next. Listen, if you've come to a crossroads and you're not sure how to get where God's leading you, keep standing in that water. Take that step of faith and then keep trusting Him. And if it feels like you've been standing there a long time, keep standing. Keep standing. Why? Not just because of what He might do, but because of who He is. He is worthy. Uh, about two years ago, Beverly and I had the opportunity to go to Israel and to go to the exact spot where this event we've been reading about took place. Jordan's on, the, the nation of Jordan is on one side of the river and Israel on the other. 
And we went and we took our shoes off and we, we put our feet right in the water just, just as uh, the passage talked about. It's, it's just been such an important passage to us. And it was a really meaningful time. But, but I learned something that day that, that I didn't know, that um, historians and archaeologists today believe that the, at this very spot where Joshua led the Israelites to the Promised Land through the Jordan River, is also the very same spot about 1,200 years later where Jesus was baptized. And that's, that just kind of blew my mind as I would think about the symbolism of these two events that, that, that took place. You, and I, want to just, I just want to process that a, a little bit. This, this symbolism, God, you hear God uses Joshua to lead the Israelites from bondage to life, from, from wandering to, to great purpose. Jesus takes us from the bondage of our sin to, to life and to freedom. The Hebrew word for Joshua uh, is equivalent to the Greek word Yeshua, which is the same word of Jesus. And in, in a sense, uh, Joshua is the Hebrew word for Jesus. And Jesus has delivered us. You, you see, without Christ, all of us have our own river that we cannot cross. The river of our sin that keeps us from knowing God. But God in His great love for us while we were still sinners sent Jesus to cross that river, the river of sin and death. And He was the only one that could do it. And there was only one way He could do it and that was by taking all of our sin and death upon Himself when He died on the cross. That's exactly what He did for us. You see, for, for Joshua's people, assurance and confidence came as they stood on dry ground on the other side of that river and they could look back at the river. We don't have a river to look at. But for us, assurance and confidence in God comes as we stand on the finished work of Christ on the cross where He died for us. And we look back at the empty tomb where, where he, he could not be kept, where the, the stone was, was moved, not so He could get out, but so the world could see in that He is alive. So the Jordan River crossing convinced the Israelites that God was with them. And I want to say to you, let the cross, Jesus' death and resurrection, convince you that when you come to know Him, He is with you every minute of every day and every battle and every river you face. So what is that river? What is that barrier or that battle? What stands between where you are and where the Lord wants you to go? Will you trust Him? Will you take the next step as He shows you? And will you stand there until He makes the way? What an adventure you have awaiting you. And let me also say that if you're watching and, and you've never given your life to Jesus, I encourage, to talk, I encourage you to talk with someone about that so that you might also step into the water. And when you do, you will never be the same. Let's pray together. Lord, I, I want to thank you that you give us even the opportunity to know you and to walk with you. You've made that possible through your death and resurrection. I thank you for how you provided the way through for Joshua and for the Israelites. And what a picture it is for us as we seek to follow you. And I pray that this church, the Resonate Church, would, we would be people of faith people who are learning, who are growing in our confidence of you and taking step 
by step of faith, obeying what you tell us to do, trusting you with the results, knowing that all the while you're working upstream. So I, I pray, Lord, you'd build that confidence in us as we choose day by day to trust to follow you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.